So, we are going to talk about something today. We are going to be talking about this. These three little words. Into the fold. What do they mean? Well, it's crazy. There's a meaning that these words have kind of been given over the years. They've adopted a new meaning, which isn't necessarily what they meant when they were spoken originally. And we're going to get into kind of like the, the, the biblical history of what Jesus meant when he said these. But what I want to do is look up what they mean today. And if you've never heard the phrase into the fold, well, you're about to learn something new because it's very common. In fact, journalists, for some reason, love this term. And so what I did was I did a Google search and I typed in into the fold in quotation marks and then sorted by news. So it's just articles that come back and then sorted by date. And you can do this if you're ever doing a research thing and you want to see how it pops up. So, and then in all of these articles, somewhere in the article says, the journalists use the phrase into the fold. And then uh, in my, at least in my Google search, it comes up with like 10 results per page. And then you flip to the next page. Well, I don't know if you can see it on this, but what, what I did was I looked how many were just done in the last, I don't know, last day. And so it'll say, like, this, this article was published an hour ago, this article was published two hours ago, this article was published 12 hours ago, and I just kept scrolling until I reached where it said 24 hours, okay? And what happened was there were 67 articles published in one day that the journalists decided to use the phrase into the fold. And I don't think they know that they're quoting Jesus when they're, when they're saying that. But they are, and we're going to look at that. But, and they mean different things, usually, if you, look, if you read the article. I did. I read several articles to see what did they mean when they said into the fold. Well, so then I decided I want to find some of, not what does it mean biblically, but what does it mean in our commonly accepted use? Like, what does into the fold mean? And so I went to this, like, word history etymology forum, and it was shocking so this is what this guy, whose screen name was Salvage, from Columbus, Ohio, this is what he said. Into the fold can also mean to bring someone around to the same philosophy, belief, or value system so that they will not be a problem, either through ignorance, unpredictability, or outright opposition. It means becoming one of the herd. I'm like, oh, I don't know what, what your name is, but... When you hear into the fold, this is what you think. You think people controlling people, okay? And this is the next one, too. Poor Bob. He's struggling. We need to pray for Bob right now, okay? Uh, save it. You can pray for him tomorrow. But, what, but this is what Bob said on this form. Many religions and other organizations demand sheep-like obedience from members. It promotes coherence and assures the control of the shepherds. It's a very negative, very negative outlook as to what the, what the words into the fold would mean. And again, his interpretation is that it means people controlling people. And this is what 
It is. None of these things actually get to, to the original meaning. None of the journalists, none of the online bloggers who are trying to educate people as to what it means, it doesn't mean what they think it means. And most of them have no idea that they're quoting Jesus Christ when they say, into the fold. And so, we're going to look at this phrase. And we're going to look at what, why Jesus said it and what did he mean when he said it. So let's start with understanding what the fold is, okay? I'm going to use the ESV, King James, same thing. Some of the more like highfalutin, old-fashioned type translations will still use the word fold. But here's what it says. In John 10, 1 through 3, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And so when we say fold, we mean a sheepfold, which is just an enclosure. It's like a, a pen. It's, a, it's gates with a door to keep your sheep in. And that's what the fold is. We don't really use that word anymore. So that's why, that's why it's weird to us. But it's just an enclosure where a shepherd keeps his sheep. Now, Jesus goes on to describe himself as the good shepherd, and we are all sheep. Now, sheep, to you, may be a bad word now. It has become, it's, it's hilarious to me that Christians don't like being called sheep now. When you can't, like, if you like the Bible, you're a sheep. <laughs> we just need to be sheep of the good shepherd. Amen? And so, let's keep going. This is what Jesus says. And this is the main scripture we're going to look at. I have other sheep. This is NIV, so it doesn't say full. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. Or in the King James, it says, are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And so, the words into the fold usually come from this verse where Jesus says, uh, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them into the fold. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And what's, what's crazy is that this verse highlights two parts of our humanity. And that, those are our two points today. And I'm going to go over one, and then I'm going to go over the other, and then I'm going to go back over the first one, and I'm going to go back over the second one. But here is the, the two parts. The first part is inclusion. Jesus is saying there are, there are sheep that are not in our fold, that are not in our pen, and I'm going to bring them into our pen. And it's a message of, for the first century Jews, he was telling, it's a message of inclusion. It's also a message of authority or lordship. Because he says, they're going to come into our, our, our pen, and then I will be their shepherd. They will listen to my voice. So one flock, inclusion, one shepherd, lordship or authority. Okay, Those are our two points. You can write them down and beat me to the punch. So first up, we're going to talk about inclusion. Inclusion and reconciliation. And if you think about it, God is, the, God is the dad of all people, and then yet he sat back and watched them all split themselves up. 
And, and his people in first century, the Middle East there in Israel, they, they were divided two main groups that, that Jesus was focusing on, Jews and Gentiles. And, and God is like, I want to bring that back together. Right now they're very split, they're very divided, they're very hostile towards each other, but I want them to be one family again. And that is the message of inclusion. And here's, here's that verse. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. Jesus is saying, you think you're it, but I'm telling you there are other people that are going to be it also. It's not just you. And right now there are so many multiple flocks. There's going to be one flock in the kingdom, in one flock under my, me as shepherd. And we see this throughout. If you remember, we did a parables midweek series. You see this over and over. So many of the parables, we've pulled a lot of meanings out of them, but there's a meaning that Jesus put into them that was very specific. And it was like, guys, get ready. Because one day, the Gentiles are going to be a part of this. And you're going to lose your minds. You can't handle it. And a lot of the parables are, are about that. And he was right. They couldn't handle it. And so we see this. When Jesus dies, the curtain in the temple that separated the inner sanctum of the temple, the holiest of holies, where God lived, where God resided, where the ark was, when Jesus cried out, in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And it was this, I don't know if it was symbolic. God did this. He's like, hey guys, I just want you to know this thing that exists between you and me is no longer, okay? And then Paul echoes that in Ephesians. Ephesians 2.14. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And so... Some theologians, you know, they'll speculate that there was this actual barrier in the temple grounds where Gentiles, you, you can go here, but you can't go any further. If you go any further, now you're in trouble. And actually, Paul got in trouble because someone said he brought a Gentile past this thing. He brought a Gentile into the temple. And so it's this idea of God is working to remove barriers between people. Okay? But here's my question for you. Like, what about you? What about you in your heart? Is there a dividing wall of hostility? And I, I, could, I could talk about, like, you know, if I were sitting in the audience, I would e it'd be easy for me to think, yeah, I hope so-and-so is listening. Because so-and-so needs to be more accepting of such-and-such. And that's just the way we work. Maybe your brain is doing that right now. It's okay. You can be honest about it. But I want you to think about your heart. Who are the, who are the people that you just don't vibe with? You just don't. It's hard for you to love. You just don't get along with them very well. We'll have some, we'll have some examples at the end, okay? But I just want you to get, start thinking about this. Who are the people? You might be like, no one, bro. I'm fully, I'm fully accepting of everybody. I would just encourage you to dig a little bit deeper than that because some, the answer might not be that simple, okay? 
There's someone that maybe just gets under your skin and you're like, oh, here's another way to imagine it. Imagine if we as a church, right now we're a small church, whatever that is on the fringe of your comfort zone of, of relationships, maybe it's political, maybe it's some sort of cultural divide where you're like, imagine if our church doubled in size and, it, and that, that, new, that new group of people were all that type of person. And you'd be like, oh my gosh, my, my church culture doesn't feel the same anymore. My church family, now it's like I'm on the outs and it's all them. That's what, that's what I'm talking about, okay? That's who I want you to challenge your heart about. And you might be thinking, uh, man, does this... So like, here's the fold again. What, what I'm trying to say is that the sheepfold that is the kingdom of God has room for every single human being in the world. If it didn't, if God's kingdom on earth was only going to be restricted to a certain person, then Jesus messed up somehow. Okay? Every single person on the face of the earth has a place in the kingdom of God. And then you might be thinking, if you're like me, you might be thinking, whoa, 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 that sounds very uncomfortable. Are you saying that there are no standards? And that is not what I'm saying. And in fact, that is our entire second point. That leads me to the next part of what it means to be in the fold. Authority and lordship. And I have talked about lordship all the last two years. This is one of the key aspects of being a Christian. You don't get to, this is, this is bothering me. Is it bothering anyone else? This board right here. <laughs> um, you don't get to come into the kingdom and make up your own rules. You come into the kingdom and you say, Jesus is Lord of my life. And that's not a meaningless statement that doesn't mean anything. It means something. It means something so powerful. It means I'm nothing. I'm, and it's not that I'm nothing to my minister. It's not people controlling people. It's lordship to Jesus. And so this is what Jesus said. Um, oops, that just went two, two clicks. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. That is, an, that is authority. That is, I am the shepherd. I am in charge. Lordship. And so it's this idea of two competing things that don't always sit well with us. Inclusion. Hey, everybody, come on in. Every, it's great in here. Everybody can come on in. Oh, but now there's some, there are some rules. Okay? This is what Paul said in Romans 14. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. That's sheep language. That's sheep mentality. That's living under the lordship of, of, of Jesus mentality. But my fear is that we don't like this. This bothers us. In our feisty, rugged individualism we go, I live for myself. I die, I die for myself because I belong to myself. No one tells me what to do. And so, here's the two sides. 
inclusion and authority. Inclusion and reconciliation. Authority and lordship. And there's several places in the Bible where Jesus shows us this duality that we're not very good at. And so this can actually create a, a whole new type of division. Because it can create the division between inclusion people and authority people. And so in, everyone here is probably on one side or the other. Balance is very hard. And throughout, throughout the scriptures, throughout the New Testament, Jesus is like, exactly. It's hard. And you have, to, you have to live in that tension. You have to live figuring that out. You're probably wired in your personality, in your character, on one side of this or the other. You might think, I love inclusion. I love everybody. Please, welcome. I want to welcome everybody. Everybody's welcome. But man, just the word authority feels, I don't like it. It feels oppressive to me. I don't, I don't like authority. I don't like rules. I don't like, you know, I like, I like it open. Everything's open. And then some of you might be like, actually, to me, inclusion feels like the bad word. And I love authority. Rules make the world go round. Processes, systems, let's keep it clean and neat. And, and let's like, if you're not going to fit, don't come in. And so, in any group, it's going to be like this. And left unchecked, unless we talk about it, unless you guys can have conversations with each other about it, typically what will happen is in any group, it will start to grow in one direction. And the other group of people will feel like, this really isn't the place for me. And they will be out. And we can't have that. So I'm going to say this in, in several different ways. And you've heard me say these before, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it over and over and over again, okay? We won't be included without lordship. But our lordship isn't real if we don't include others. What does that mean? I want to I be, I want to be in, I want to be in, I want to be part of the fold, I want to be on Team Jesus. Great, there's a price to pay. Make Jesus Lord of your life. Well, I want to come and I don't want to do that. And just know, this is for sheep of the shepherd. You don't, want to be, you don't want to be a sheep with a shepherd. Then you don't want to be here. So if we're not willing to pay the price of lordship, we don't get in. And yet, if we get in and we kick everyone else, our lordship has a problem. Because our lord said, hey, there's going to be one flock, everybody's in. So this is one way to think about this balance. We won't be included without lordship, but our lordship isn't real if we don't include others. Here's another one that I've said. Everyone gets to come here, and no one gets to stay the same. This is a tough one. Who gets to, who gets to come in and, and join church? Every single person on the face of the planet. Who gets to come in and chill and never has to repent? Zero people. No one gets to come in, and they're good enough to, like, let everything that, need, that needs to change, they don't have to change. Everyone gets to come here. No one gets to come and stay the same. 
We, we could do a whole sermon on that. Maybe I will later. Here's the other way I've said it. Church is where everyone is welcome and no one is comfortable. This is tough. Church is where everyone is welcome. Any person who walks in the door, welcome. I'm glad you're here. No person should walk in the door and feel like, I don't fit here. I'm not. They don't want me here. I should leave. And yet, no one should come and be like, I can hide. I can be whoever I want to be. No one's going to challenge me. I don't have to change. I don't have to repent. I don't have to be put under the lordship of someone else. Not a person. God, Jesus. Church is where everyone is welcome and no one is comfortable. And that's tension. That is, that is a hard area that we're going to spend the rest of our lives like on a tightrope. Like, ugh! It would be easier. I would be able to be more comfortable if less people were welcome. Because then everyone would be like me. I'd show up to church and everyone would all agree. We all, we all look the same. We all make the same amount of money. We all vote the same. We all, we're all the same. It's easier. We just click better. And so I want to reinforce this. What does inclusion and lordship look like in us? I'm going to talk about two things. I'm going to talk about the all-nations family. You've heard me say that. We did a whole lesson on this. And then I want to talk about the narrow door. And that's more balance. Okay? So what is the all-nations family? The All Nations family is God's dream since the beginning of time that, that people who aren't the same, who don't look alike, would be brothers and sisters together. And so here's just, a quick, here's just a quick run through. Genesis 12, this is the promise to Abraham, all peoples on earth will be blessed by you, blessed through you. And then in Daniel, this is the prophetic vision. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And then, many years later, Matthew, or Jesus in Matthew, he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we started in Genesis. We will end in Revelation. This is the vision. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. This is the heart of God. This is what bringing people into the fold looks like. This is what inclusion and reconciliation looks like. Hey, there's no one that's not... It's not a list of every nation, tribe, people, and language except these people. The all-nations family isn't just a good idea. It's an expectation of our Lord. And yet, if you're, on the, if you're an inclusion person, you're like, I love it. Say more, Ben. But if you're an authority person, you're like, get off of this point. Tell me something like more solid. <laughs> yeah. The narrow door is Jesus describing the other, the other side. I'm just going to read it, okay? In Luke 13, 22. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort 
to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. This is lordship language. There's a, there's a great, another parable about the banquet where he says, get everyone in here, everyone. No one, like, force them in here. Get them in here. They all come, and then he says, whoa, 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 you don't have the right clothes on. And it's like, wait, 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 that's, that's the tension, that's the balance. Everyone comes in, but then you have to act right. Everyone can come, but you got to come correct. You don't get to be whoever you want to be. It's so hard to live in this tension between these two sides. And it would be easier if Jesus just kind of went on one and then neglected the other, or didn't even ignore the other. And yet, Jesus is saying, hey, I know this is hard for you. And I want, it to, I want that. Like, this is part of being a human being in my kingdom. So here's, here is the fold. Here is the sheepfold. It is a big, open space that all nations, all tribes, all languages, all peoples are welcome. But it has a narrow door, and that door is Jesus. Everyone can come, but you have to come correct. So here's what's really sad. The, the divided world, we live in a very divided world, do we not? The divided world, the denominational world, the religious world has taken this idea of the fold and has kind of done this to it. Says, you know what? This is, this is how I think the kingdom should be. And so I'm going to lay claim to this door. And now this is my door, and I'm going to decide who can come in. Hey, you go find another door. Go find your own door. And then when you come in, you guys stay over there. And I'll, from a distance, I'll accept that you're a Christian. Maybe. But stay over there. Sorry, you have to find another way in. And so what are some of the ways that, that we have done this? Well, we do this uh, with, you know, along racial lines. We've done this with races in America. This is, this is what America looks like right now, Sunday morning. Yeah, you're fine. Just worship on the other, like, don't worship with me. Like, stay over there. We do this with politics. We do this with nations. There are American Christians who 100% truly believe if you're not a good patriotic American, you're not a good Christian. And yet, I've talked to like socialist Christians in communist states that believe the exact same thing about their political system. And they think Americans are bad Christians. And I'm like, man, like, if, if we want an international family, 
and yet we're going to stick to these like national lines. What does God think when he looks down at what we've done with his sheepfold? What does God think when he looks down and goes, you guys are messing this up. This is not what I want. Some people have said even about missions work, overseas missions work, like, I don't need, I don't need my church to look like the all-nations family. I just need little individual cells where, you know, they'll be that, and they'll be that, and I'll be this, and, and then we'll look down, and, and, that, and what I think of is, I'm going way too long, I'm sorry. What, what I think of is U of M. I love Ann Arbor, you guys know this, but man, it's a quirky little town. U of M is known for their diversity. And this is true, you'll see this on lots of college campuses. U of M is known for their beautiful diversity, and it looks diverse from, from a bird's eye view. Until you zoom in, especially at the beginning of every semester, every year, man, it's just little pockets of very homogenous groups of people. And, and, and it's only diverse when you step back and you look at it as a whole. But it's still people who are like rejecting people that aren't like them. I just feel more comfortable with my people. And it's sad that the Christian church has done that. We have done this to God's kingdom. And so, I just want us to start thinking about these two sides of what does into the fold mean. It doesn't mean people controlling people. It doesn't mean coercion. It doesn't mean, hey, if you want to be, you know, work here, you want to go to school here, you want to be part of my friend group, you have to, you know, act a certain way, because and, and that's being into the fold. That's not what it means. It's not what it meant when Jesus said it. These three little words have come to be known as a very negative term. But in fact, it is a deeply convicting challenge to kingdom people to remember God's heart of both inclusion and authority and however whichever one you are my prayer is that you'll you'll work on getting better at the thing you're bad at that's what christians should that's what we should be known for like oh i identified something in my character that i'm not very good at something that's like jesus that i'm not i'm gonna work on it and so then we invite correction we invite like yeah tell show me what i need to change I'm super humble. Show me what I need to change. I'm, I'm going to attack that to be better at that. Everyone gets to come, and no one gets to stay the same. Everyone is welcome. No one is comfortable. We call everyone to Jesus, and then we help everyone actually live like Jesus. We can hold the tension between these two sides of Jesus' command. It's hard. I know it's hard. And it's not going to get easier. But if we can be an example of Jesus's messy, beautifully messy, but messy, almost paradoxical command, where everybody gets to come in, but now everybody has to live under my lordship. That is what it's actually going to look like to hold out hope to a lost and hurting world. Amen? Guys, I love you so much. And with that, uh, Emily Wilhelm is going to do our communion today. So come on up.